Welcome to another episode of Nipe Story, a fortnightly storytelling podcast. And I'm your host, Kevin Mwachiro. We're changing tact today and paying tribute to a Kenyan literary legend, Professor Ken Walibora, who passed away last month. Like many others who are of my age, I was first introduced to Ken through his work as a writer and a newscaster. His time as a newscaster together with Swalem Doi revolutionized Kiswahili reading. He would pause in between sentences, lending gravitas to his every pronouncement. The first time I met him in person was at the Acacia Publishers' offices around 2003. I was an intern there, serving as an editorial assistant. I was pouring through a manuscript and suddenly there he was, walking towards me in an immaculate shining grey suit. He smiled and nodded at me, then turns towards the publisher Jimmy McCourt's office. I was, as you would expect, frozen in the moment, unable to acknowledge his greeting. Still, being in the presence of such a man did wonders for my morale and my resolve to be a successful writer, if only to afford such a magnificent suit myself. It took 10 years before we would meet again. In between, we exchanged emails, mostly from me shooting my shot by pitching my novel, The Last Villains of Molo. He was extremely measured in his comments. For instance, I once asked him in his response to his critic on K.W. Amatila's book whether African writing was a political, and he responded, My conception of politics is very broad. In my view, politics is ubiquitous and affects and afflicts everyone and everything. In that sense, even romance is political. Think about Romeo and Juliet and how behind the tragic love affair there's a bitter family feud, real politics. So you cannot afford to be a political. It is impossible in my conception of politics in terms of power relations. Of course, I stand to be corrected. The Kenyan literary scene is dominated by two camps. On the one side, we have the old guard who deal with the coloniality of power. Those who feel that African literature is defined by the works of Ngugi Wathiongo and Chinua Achebe, and who have no love for the newcomers. On the other side, we have the Kwani generation of contemporary African fiction that came to challenge the status quo. In between lie the rest of us, who do not fit in either of the two camps. It was in trying to bring together all these groups that my path and Ken's merged when he came back to Kenya from the USA. We had a chance meeting and I outlined some of my plans. He helped me articulate and refine what I wanted to do. And in 2013, 13 authors across the literature divide came together at the Junction Mall in Nairobi for the first meet and greet dubbed the Authors Buffet. Some of the notable participants were the late Binyavanga Wainaina, John Sibi Okumu, Stanley Gazemba, and Mudoni Likimani. Ken kept me accountable and kept on asking, what next? Getting authors together for a day is good, but is it good enough? 
He did this prodding in his characteristically soft but very deliberate tone, telling me I had no option but to do better. In 2014, we teamed up with Desta University for the Creative Academy. The idea was to build a course designed for writers by writers, and Ken's topics at the class were always insightful and brilliant. He was unapologetic in his fight for the adoption of Kiswahili literature in all classrooms and lecture halls. His story gave hope to a lot of budding writers. Like many other writers, he faced rejection. His book, Sikunjema, was rejected twice because publishers did not want to bet on resources on an unknown name. It was published after a 10-year wait and ended up being used in the school curriculum from 1998 to 2003 and later at A-level in Uganda. This opened the floodgates of success. In the Uganda curriculum, it was replaced by his other novel, Kufa Kuzikana. His other work that have been included in the curriculum are Damunyusi na Hadithi Zingine, translated a collection of short stories co-edited with Said A. Muhammad, and Kidaga Kimemuozea. If you asked how many copies of his books he had sold, he would reply with a ray smile and say, Nyingi, many. Yet to try to limit Ken Walibora's achievements to Kiswahili literature is to do injustice to the man's intellect. It is very hard to box Ken Walibora into a genre. He had mastery in Kiswahili and English writing and was equally at ease with fiction and non-fiction critical essays. The professor, armed with a first-class bachelor's degree in literature and Swahili studies from the University of Nairobi, dedicated a lot of his time in exploring interests as diverse as Kiswahili language and literature, translation studies, cultural theory, and trauma theory. Ken had a personal investment in the study narratives of political imprisonment and prison literature. His book, Narrating the Prison Experience and Human Rights, Self, Society, and Political Incarceration in Africa, was a product of close to 10 years' engagement with narratives of political incarceration, an engagement that blossomed particularly since my graduate school days at the Ohio State University. Some of the lectures he gave included titles such as The Quest for the Right to Being and Becoming Human in Prison Poetry and Making of a Case of the Oral Prison Narrative. He examined the interplay between incarceration and the female condition, focusing on Kenyan freedom fighter Wambui Oteno's narrative in Mau Mau's Daughter, published in 1998. He studied the prison poetry of Abdulatif Abdallah, who penned his collection of poems, Sautia Viki, while serving a prison term for sedition during the Jomo Kenyatta regime. Reflecting on his stint at the state-owned Kenya Broadcasting Corporation, where he could only tell the government side of the story and knew better than to attempt to talk about the country's human rights record, Ken posited that his work in analyzing prison literature was an atonement of earlier sins of omission. Ken was passionate about looking out for other writers. 
Once, I told him about a TV appearance I had made, and he asked me if I had referred another writer to the producer. You cannot appear on TV as a guest writer every day, but the TV station can host a writer every day. This sentiment carried even more weight as it was delivered in Ken's Kiswahili Sanifu. He never missed a book launch or a literary event, and whenever he was in attendance, he was fully present, his finger on his chin. Now that he's gone, I'm reflecting on how Ken easily morphed from a childhood hero to an acquaintance to a friend, from prof to kaka. He never used our age gap to load over me, giving me a great opportunity to reverse mentor him. He was quick to act on advice and did not shy away from seeking help. For example, when he complained that there wasn't a central source of information about him and I recommended that he should have a website, we had kenwalibora.co.ke up in a week. One of the things he insisted on having on the website were the words of Martin Luther King Jr. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. His profile on the site describes him perfectly. First and foremost, I see myself as a creative writer, then a literary and cultural studies scholar, and lastly, a Kiswahili media expert. Kiswahili is my language of choice in writing creative works, although some of my critical and academic engagements are necessarily in English. If I had the time in the world, I would be writing and reading great books only, of which the Bible is foremost. I am an avid reader and a good, keen observer and patient listener. We had talked about translating each other's work into Kiswahili and English. In the spirit of Wacha Tutaongea, this will now not come to pass. He had challenged me to match his collection of 40-plus books so that we can be even enough to do the collaboration translations, which was going to be hard because he would not agree to pause his own writing to allow me to catch up. He had a keen interest in translating African literature. Africa, the world's second largest continent, speaks over 2,000 languages, but rarely translates itself. He mourned in the opening statement of his critique of Kahaso and Boile's Swahili translation of Ferdinand Oyono's Houseboy. Aside from the translation of his award-winning Dotoya America, he worked on Kiswahili translations of Raider Jacobs' Guilt, Hisia Zahatia, Jane Katvivi's White Hands, Mikono Miupe, and Stanley Ojezani Kenani's Reaction, Kugairinia. The professor leaves with us a massive collection of work. One of his recent pieces is a play, Mbayawetu, which is a critical look at the society and how we are keen to strongly support people from our own community who we know are evil. Ken opined about his life and work in a poignant 2018 interview and left us with his simple advice. To anyone aspiring to write, I would say, write in the language of your heart, the language 
that flows freely for you. Rest easy, Kaka. You came, you saw, and you conquered. That tribute to Professor Ken Walibora was written by Kinyanjui Kombani and read by Noel Mwakugu. A longer version of this tribute is available on the online platform The Elephant and their website is theelephant.info. <laughs>